0: This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 5, Episode 8. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. Brought to you by Excess Sites. Today is Wednesday, February 9th, 2022, as of the recording of this episode. And I am your host, Riley Bowman, I'm joined today by co-host and producer, Matthew Marister. Greetings, sir. Glad Greetings. to be here. <laughs> Glad to do another episode with you. So excited to be with you all today, folks. Uh, this is our industry news and gear reviews episode, so we will cover some industry news first today. Uh, we've got some interesting stories for you coming up in a couple of new products uh, that I think will get the P365 crowd particularly excited. Um, not a ton in the way of product news as of late, due to the fact that you know we actually had Shot Show this year, and that you know typically means that there's a a drought of industry news and new product releases and such uh, following Shot Show for at least a few weeks, if not a month or so. Uh, we'll start probably seeing some more new exciting stuff as we make our way closer to the NRA show, which I think is in May. I think it's in May, somewhere around there. So anyway, today though, uh, again, we do have a couple of new, new products we'll share with you. We've got some industry news we'll share with you and uh, a couple of new product reviews for you all as well that I think you'll find interesting. And I thought I would just mention real quick... Our sponsors, before we get into uh, something else, I want to chat about before we get into our news stories. First, our sponsors are CCW Safe, CCWsafe.com, of course, the place to go for uh, for their website and to check out their coverage. Check out their ultimate plan that's available. That is the everything included type plan. It's a great plan. That's, that's the plan that I am a member of. And then also check out their defender and protector plans as well for something that's a little more cost effective if budget is a concern for you, but you still want to get really good coverage. Check them all out at ccwsafe.com and make sure to use the coupon code CC Podcast to knock off 15%. And then today's episode, also sponsored by Guardian Nation. Of course, that's. That is our membership program at concealedcarry.com. Uh, we'd love to invite you to be a member of the nation, have access to members-only content in you know behind a, a, a paywall of sorts. Uh, in the da- members dashboard area, you'll get access also to a bunch of discounts from various vendors and partner companies, including a, an increased discount on membership at CCW Safe. That's available to members-only. You'll save off of ammo at Mountain City Supply. You'll save uh, on, a, on a whole bunch of things. I, I don't, can't remember them all. Um, plus, members always save a minimum of 10% off of everything at concealedcarry.com, and that's no small thing either. Um, guys, oh, and then also this month, by the way, we are shipping out the members' gearbox. So once per quarter, we ship out a a box of gear and it's not we say box it's a loose term it's sometimes a box but sometimes it just comes it comes in a variety of packaging just whatever is best suited for the items we are shipping but uh, we send out every quarter that'd be february may august and november we ship out those boxes with useful and relevant gear to concealed carriers and their lifestyle something that we've worked hard to achieve and you know to to bring to you quality stuff that that actually is useful um some of those other membership box programs out there um uh you know not not all are created equal some you think you're signing up for one thing and then you find out you're getting all kinds of weird stuff that you don't see any use for i've i've I'll, i'll tell you when we launched our our membership box program as part of guardian nation uh we actually ordered a bunch of the different box products out there, membership uh, box products. And uh, some of them we were kind of appalled by. <laughs> <laughs> so some were okay. But we you know we wanted to see what was out there and wanted to put together a quality product for our members. So uh, go to guardianation.com, get signed up today for Guardian Nation, and we'd love to see you in the nation. So um, I wanted to just chat real quick this is unrelated to our industry news and gear reviews episode today but um, Matthew I, I just I, I got to get it off my chest because it's kind of like it's burning a little bit of a a hole I guess it's sort of like <laughs> money burning a hole in your pocket you got to spend it well I got something in my in my heart that I need to, to, to say and get out there but I just returned from teaching a two-day pistol intelligence course in Huntsville Alabama and I had uh, the biggest class I've ever taught uh, at least in a full two-day course like that um, had 19 students which was a bit beyond what I normally would max out at but I had a fantastic assistant instructor in the name his name is Christopher Bean he's a good dude uh, he actually recently re- relocated to Georgia and he wanted to be involved in that and wanted to help me out so it was, that was great and I just wanted to say that uh, I was really um, humbled by the by the reception that I received by these students in this course. Uh, uh, it, it was it was marvelous. It was wonderful. I, I I it was one of those things where I actually commented to somebody's post on this on Facebook about it. Um, you know, where I've seen a bunch of posts over the last few days of people saying what they got out of my class. Uh, and the things they learned and the the growth and improvement and, and things that they saw. And I, I just said, hey, look like, you know, you guys have been posting and saying lovely things about what you got out of the class. Um, but I also wanted to just say that I was incredibly uplifted by the, uh, by the class as well. And uh, my life was made better for being able to be a part of that. And that's a wonderful thing, you know, to see in this industry to see good people out there that want to get training um, and to see teachers and students come together and have both be edified by that, to, to both see growth and um, to be uplifted and strengthened and made better as people and also as shooters and as concealed carriers. So um, yeah, just wanted to Want to put that out there. I'm I'm thankful to have been able to do that, and thankful for all the other opportunities afforded me in this job that that we do, and uh, thankful to to be with you, my friend Matthew. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I I know um, it's been a long process for you to even to get that uh, curriculum put together. You put a lot of thought and um and testing and you know uh, counsel with you know, drawing counsel from many different sources to, to really put that together. And, you know, we'll, I, I know, um, because I work with you, you know, your attention to detail and that you'll continue to, to tweak things here and there. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I I'm not surprised that people are taking a lot from the course, um, in, in, in not just shooting wise, you know, um, shooting, being able to shoot well is important. Right. But like, it's not, um, it, there's other aspects of life that are, are, are important too. Right. So, um, being a good human being is something that my, I know you instill in your, your classes as well. So, uh, it's, it's a holistic thing and I, I, I'm, I'm happy that, um, people are starting to, to, uh, you know, notice that and, and attend your classes.
0: Yeah, man. I, I appreciate that. And that's uh, everything you said is true. You know, it's something that we talk about so often on this podcast about, uh, you know, especially when we're doing the Justified Save stories Mm -hmm. and we we cover these, some of these stories that don't go so well for people. And, you know, we talk about the importance of being uh, good people and wise stewards and making good decisions. And uh, that was a thought that came to mind as you were saying what you just did there and just thinking that that, uh, it just all comes full circle, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, anyway, we'll move on from that. And, uh, I do hope to, uh, see more of you out there training in the future. Don't forget about our guardian conference. That's a great place and a great opportunity to come and see many of us and many instructors all in one place in September later this year. And of course, if, you know, if you want to come and train with me directly, uh, well, Uh, I've got a couple classes coming up here in the next few months in Ohio, Iowa, and Michigan, and uh, still working on final details of one in Utah later in the year. So, yeah. Uh, Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and uh, get to our first news story. So this is a new product announcement from Wilson Combat. And what this is is, a new grip module for P365 pistols. So the P365 has been quickly one of the most dominant concealed carry guns out there in the sub or micro compact space. Uh, Frankly, revolutionized the industry. I know that's probably a, those are strong words to say. Some people will be like, "Well, there's nothing that's truly revolutionary in this day and age," and I don't necessarily subscribe to that. Um, the P365 put a a lot of it changed people's perception and expectation of what a compact concealed carry gun could be. You know, because up to that point, we had m shields and Glock twenty sixes, <laughs> yeah. We'll see. The Glock twenty six was the original, yeah. like subcompact gun that you know became very popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still quite a bit chunkier oh, yeah. than the P three sixty five. So again, the P three sixty five just really changed everybody's um, expectation of what what these these guns could be, and having quite a bit of my own personal experience with the 365 uh, having put many, many thousands of rounds through the platform, it, it, it's a, it's a very concealable, but it's also a high performance gun. Like it, you can shoot and be quite effective with a three, with, with a 365. So lots of accessories and things out there on the market that support these guns. And the, the new addition is from Wilson combat, the, uh, this grip module, which there are two different versions, one is called the WCP-365 and the other, the WCP-365XL. Uh, so essentially, these are grip modules intended to uh, replace the, the factory grip in either the short 10-round configuration or in the larger 12-round configuration of the XL. Uh, so here's the thing. I picked up a Wilson combat grip module, uh, that would have been, I don't know, over a year ago for sure. Uh, It's hard for me to remember exactly how long it's been that I've had that, but, but I picked one up for the, uh, P320 and the P320 grip modules from Wilson combat are okay. Like I, some people really like them. Uh, and I recognize that fact. Some people really like the 320 Wilson Combat grip modules. I wasn't as keen or fond of it myself. Um, I, I there was some aspects, some ergonomic parts of the grip module that were not my favorite. And I know it sounds funny because a lot of people talk about liking the Wilson Combat grip modules because of better, increased ergonomics. Uh, For me, it had to do with the fact that they made the rear portion of the grip a lot narrower than uh, the factory grips. And it actually makes it more difficult to to engage the meaty part of your support hand palm in the grip. I also think that the grip texture, their kind of starburst grip texture that they have going there is not as aggressive as I'd like to see, but it's not terrible either all that to say that I may have to order and pick up one of these Wilson combat 365 grip modules in fact I'm probably more interested in the XL one um, because I like what I see here so far anyway from what I can see it looks like they it it just looks like a nice little grip module I mean you take the there's an image here showing an original p365 XL grip with the Wilson combat one next to it and I can tell just by looking at those images that they didn't take the same approach where they thinned out the backside of the grip like they did on the 320 ones. It looks more uniform all the way throughout the grip. Um, and in fact, the Wilson combat one's just a little bit wider and probably going to fill the handle a little bit better for those of us with bigger hands. And that's important to me because while I like the 365 and 365 XLs, and shoot them pretty well. They are small grips and they are sometimes challenging to hold on to. So the Wilson combat one is, uh, yeah, I'd say from what I can see, this looks like it could be a winner. And I think I'm going to have to get my hands on one and test it out just to see if that's true. I, I do see that they still have the same side panel grip texture. Hmm. That is, uh, see, the whole thing is injection, pol- injection molded polymer. um, and the front and back straps, this texture they have on the front and back is really, really nice and really aggressive. But this stuff here on the side, even though it looks very textured, somebody once said online, and I had to agree with them when they said it, they said it felt like carved soap. <laughs> um, that that it's, it does have some some texture to it, but it's more slippery than you would guess just by by looks alone. Mm. So I suspect that's probably going to be also true here, but I think it'll probably be acceptable Um, you know I'm probably an anomaly to some extent and part of that is I think the more and more skilled I have become at shooting I get very particular about wanting to maximize my shooting performance and one of those simply is just by making a grip a lot more textured (laughs) a lot more aggressive means you can engage grip with that the grip of your hand with that grip more aggressively uh, more control, less slippage, you know, so you can shoot it faster and better. So, but the downside of that is, is a loss in comfort and uh, uh, abrasiveness. And maybe that's not as ideal for concealed carry. I haven't personally found that to be an issue for me, but I, I think I'm also willing to put up with some things that maybe some more normal concealed carriers are not willing to do so. But anyway, hmm. uh pretty cool to see them extend their grip module uh uh products to the 365 line and not just the 320 line. With yeah, it, some additional improvements from what I can see.
1: Yeah, it also looks like I mean I'm just I can't tell um you know I haven't held it but in the vi- in the picture it also looks like the that tang is maybe thinner um uh the back tang on the on the uh Wilson combat. So potentially maybe you get a little bit of a different, um, a little higher of a grip or, you know, um, looks a little thinner, but
0: yeah, that could be, um, that does. Yeah. It's hard. I think sometimes that sort of thing is hard to measure looking at pictures, but I think there may be some truth to that. Mm -hmm. Um, I've taken apart the three sixty five extensively and there's not a lot, of there's not a lot there to work with as far as you know removing sure material from that part of the grip module um i will also say that the 365 series of pistols already has a pretty low bore axis uh for people that care about that uh it sits already pretty low in the hand considering um but uh i think i think the grip the contour in that section will probably appease some people Sure. Um, over the slightly sharper beaver tail of the factory XL. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Similarly related to this, there's a new product from SIG Sauer that was announced in the last week or two. Uh, and this one's known as the P365XL Spectre Comp. Uh, so and SIG is well known for basically taking um. Taking their lines of pistols and then just creating unique editions of them and and releasing them as a new product. Essentially, uh, they've already done that a couple of times now with various versions of the P365 and P365 XL uh, series of guns. Uh, this is the first I've seen where they have basically. Taking the, P36- P3- yeah, the P365XL I don't know why it's so hard to come out of my mouth sometimes uh, and put an integrated comp into the end of the slide and or barrel and that's really the major unique characteristic of this uh, it does have an optic cut that's cut for the Romeo Zero uh, Shield Arm SC uh, Hollow Sun 507 407K models of optics in this case, doesn't replace the rear sight like some of their XL pistols do. Uh, you get an actual backup rear and front iron sight optic cut with a plate. Uh, the slide has different cuts to it as far as it's got an optic or like a not an optic but a but a window cut at the front of the slide there, just a little bit behind the front sight. In front of the front sight is the comp ports. And then uh, the other thing that they're using here is the laser engraved grip module that SIG came out with, mm, I don't know, like six months ago or so, uh, which I think is cool. It's nice to see an option with a little bit greater, a little more aggressive grip texture. I still wish that they would take that grip texture <laughs> all the way up the side of the grip, like yeah. the Wilson Combat. Well, I mean, right. geez, we just talked about that and you see how they have that texture all the way up side panel i just don't understand this sometimes but anyway it's got a gold trigger and a gold colored barrel uh okay cool whatever it's obviously is a, a gun that's intended to be kind of um what's the word gucci looking mm-hmm. um does it shoot as well as it looks well i, I suppose it probably shoots fine uh, my my curiosity would be about the comp itself and if there's any measurable effectiveness there at all or not and uh, uh yeah so i don't know i have to get my hands on one to actually test and evaluate but and i don't know that i'm planning on doing that anytime soon i haven't seen the msrp on this but it's probably not one i'm going to like <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it comes with four mags uh 212 rounders and 210
0: yeah mm-hmm. A question from uh, Connor on Facebook says, can you run the Beat 365 XL in USPSA or is it still not considered big enough? Actually, so I don't think it's an issue about whether it's big enough or not. I'm pretty sure you can run a 365 XL in USPSA. Uh, I haven't actually bothered to check, but it would shock me if it's not on the approved USPSA production list. And if it's on that list, uh, it could be run in either production division or carry optics or in open division um i actually know somebody that uh, put a uh, not an in, not an integral one but a compensator on the end of their p365 and kind of gucci it up a little bit and then ran it in open division for kicks and giggles um so there's definitely a way i mean I, I, you got me wondering, Connor, so I may have to go and just check if it's on the production list. I'm pretty sure it is. But yeah, you could absolutely shoot a P365 or XL in USPSA. There's there's no rule about a gun being too small for that, unless it's too small of a caliber. Because everything we shoot in USPSA is pretty much all, it, it's got to be nine millimeter or bigger. And, that, and the, of course, this certainly fits that bill. Now, in IDPA, that'd be a little bit of a different story, um, and one I'm not as equipped to answer as, as to the 365XL specifically as far as where it would fit divisionally in IDPA. Uh, I could take some guesses at that, but, uh, but it's not my specialty. So there you go. Matthew, tell us about this next article uh, from uh, foxnews.com biden's gun first approach to violent crime ignores basic facts
1: yeah so this is uh the author of this is well known uh john lott you might have uh as a listener you probably are are familiar he's uh the president of the crime prevention research center he he uh is constantly putting out um you know he's analyzing the data of uh um defensive gun uses dgus justified saves what we call them um, and so he's looking at this, and he uh, this came out about five days ago. He mentions that um, the reason why these initiatives to um, stop, you know, gun violence um, fall flat as far as any sort of um, impact nationwide is because ninety two percent of violent crimes do not involve firearms. And so when you look at the small subset of violent crimes across the country and, you know, sure, gun, gun crimes or crimes where somebody uses a gun, um, certainly affects, you know, people's psyche, they, their safety, the, um, you know, all of that. But, that's not the only thing that affects uh, th- those, those things, right? Like uh, if you're getting uh, just violently assaulted, if um, rapes and, and uh, violent burglaries and carjackings and all these things, these are also a, a, you know, a huge effect uh, a, a f- have a huge effect on public safety and, and um, you know, psyche of, of certain demographics in, in high crime areas. So, the point is is that if you're just focusing on you know eight percent of the violent crime and going after that, and it's such a small subset in not addressing the root cause of the problem of violent crime, then you're not going to get an actual you know noticeable effect and and we've seen this throughout all of the gun control legislations that. You know, when they did the the study on uh, the, um, the um, uh, I'm drawing a blank, um, on the assault weapons ban, right? Um, they went through that and said, there's no noticeable, we can't have, the, you know, we can't measure um, any impact that this has had on reducing violent crime. Um, there's a couple Important stats or interesting stats if you want to look at it. It says the U.S. Department of Justice National Crime Victimization Survey in the latest year available, which is 2020, shows that there were 4,550, or I'm sorry, 4,558,150 rapes, robberies, and aggravated assaults, um, 21,000 murders. Of those, 350,460 rapes, robberies, and aggravated assaults. And 13,620 murders involve firearms. Uh, That's 7.9% of violent crimes. Um, Violent crime rose 5% in 2020. um, But gun crime or crimes involving guns uh, dropped 27%. So we have now violent crime rates going up and crimes involving guns going down. Um, So... You know, there's a lot of people that court try to correlate numbers and stuff like that. But um, if you're not looking at the root cause of, of of what's causing the violent crime and you're just trying to pin it on a gun, you, you're, it's going to be ineffective. That's the gist of this, this article.
0: Yeah, these sorts of things are always interesting to read and follow uh, because... And we've talked about this, but the truth of the matter is, is that it's hard to it's hard to really understand what the truth is because there's so many different. I mean, number one, America is a big country with a wide variance in demographics, cities, um, cultures from place to place, state to state, city to city. And all of that factors in. And, and it, um, I mean, for instance, so this, the, the, uh, statistic here mentioned that violent crime reported to police rose 5% in 2020. Then it says gun crimes fell by 27%. So that would Okay, that's fine, but here's what I can say based on just following the news, and it could be anecdotal, but it seems to me that there's been a lot more shootings in New York City than in years past, at least that has been reported. Um, There's been more law enforcement this year killed across the country by guns than in the last few years. So uh, the point of the matter is, is that may, you know perhaps overall gun crime has reduced by 27%, but doesn't mean that it's reduced in all areas, in all jurisdictions, or in all contexts. So just some things to think about and ponder. Um, but I, I get that the premise here, and this article is written by John Lott, and he is well known as being you know, the head guy at uh, Crime Prevention Research Center. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the premise here is that crime has risen, violent crime has risen substantially, you know, measurably so in the last year or two. Keep in mind that the data that we're referring to here is from, is from 2020 and not from 2021. Uh, but violent crime has risen. And then the claim here is that gun crime has actually fallen. Now, we do still know that guns used in violent crime are involved in 8% of those, 7.9% to be specific. So over 92% of violent crimes do not involve firearms. And so it's a fair point to make that it seems that guns specifically come under fire in a big way. Uh, with respect to trying to reduce crime and and by that violent crime when there's a lot of violent crime that's taking place that doesn't involve guns at all so that's a it's a valid uh, viewpoint and perspective to have and uh, yeah the the other thing that i just wanted to note here is that um, it's no wonder because when you have again we've talked about this before but and, and, and to and to speak a little bit about all the different variables at play here, but what we know is we've we've seen criminals that have been released on the streets early, or not imprisoned at all because it started as the, well we can't put them in prison because of COVID and we you know we're already overpopulated and it's going to you know cause COVID related problems, um, and it's not fair to them to expose them to COVID and things like that and that's that's a, a bunch of baloney. And also now we've got a lot of DAs and especially major cities that just simply are not prosecuting crimes, including violent crimes um, like they need to be to uh, prevent crime from being on the rise like it has been. So lots of variables at play here, Um, but clearly gun control itself is not an an answer. I mean, we know that We, we, we talk about that all the time. And just looking at the numbers here, it would set, suggest that it's not a worthwhile cause that there's a lot more lower hanging fruit in terms of policies and things that we could go after to reduce crime than to just target gun control that primarily will impact law abiding citizens and not so much the criminals. Yeah. reminds me of a very funny video from uh, Babylon B. We <laughs> have to include that in the show notes as a, special bonus. Did you see that one, Matthew?
1: I did. (laughs) Yeah. They, they did well on that one.
0: (laughs) A video from the perspective of a criminal who's complaining about, uh, laws being passed to, uh, you know, gun control laws. And he, 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 he's lamenting about how this will make, you know, getting his guns just so much more difficult and make committing crimes more difficult. And then he's like, except that I will just keep committing crimes. (laughs) and stuff because you know I'm a I'm a criminal. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Well, I'll go ahead and plan to stick that in the show notes as a bonus. I'll have to remember to do that though. And if I don't hit me up, leave, send us an email or or drop us a comment, <laughs> let me know that we forgot to include something in the show notes.
1: I'll make sure it makes it in there.
0: Um all right. You wrote an article and I'm I'm just going to kind of skim over this but for the most part, because it goes into a lot of depth. Um, but recently, you wrote this article on January 29th of this year called "Are Strict Gun Laws Making People Safer?" So uh, this is also included in our, in our show notes of today's episode, uh, highlighting the annual gun law scorecard from. Isn't is this from um, uh, Giffords. Giffords Law Center? yep and so uh matthew makes some really solid points in this article so go go read it folks again it's titled are strict gun laws making people safer published on concealed uh january 29th and we'll make sure the link is in the show notes for this one as well
1: yeah yeah I, and i'll just add real quick it 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 really dovetails in, or this was before the one that John Lott just published, but um, you know, it, it, it gets into you, you read the whole article because um, you know, it, it makes the case that um, we have, how we have to start looking at this data because everybody's going to spin the data just kind of like you were saying, Riley, like people are going to take the data. They're going to spin it in a certain way or exclude certain things and present it in a way. And, um, you know, they the gun control lobby does a very good job of presenting it in an emotional way, uh, tugging on people's emotions. Um, and they don't really dive into the, the the depth of studying the numbers. And most of the time our arguments are very factual. Um, they're not emotionally based. And so they're more easily rejected by somebody who's just kind of wants a quick answer. Um, and so uh, hopefully you'll find it useful for, uh, for kind of having a debate or talking to people about why strict gun laws aren't necessarily, even when the numbers might, you know, indicate that um, are not actually making people safer.
0: And why don't you also tell us about the, uh, how the ATF seized firearms from an Amish
1: dairy farmer. What's that all about? Yeah. So this, this is kind of a interesting story. Uh, I included it. I wrote it uh, a while back. This happened, um, in Pennsylvania and, um, it's an it's an interesting story. So, if you know you're not familiar, if you're not from Pennsylvania area or you know Ohio, um, you might not be familiar with the Amish, other than they drive buggies and don't you know use electricity for the most part. But um, they also don't take photographs or don't want to be photographed. Um, so they don't have identifications um, typically, and. When you go into to buy a firearm through an FFL, um, one of the requirements, the FFL has to look at a, a, a photo ID. So basically what happens is these, this Amish guy who owns a dairy farm, um, that's his business. Um, the ATF raids his, his dairy farm and says, you're acting as an FFL, but you're not an FFL. You're selling guns. You're a dealer but you don't have an FFL and you're not conducting background checks and but in, in the, so on and so forth. Um, the guy, you know, admits, Hey, I've sold some guns uh, from my personal collection, which is completely, you know, uh, legal to do. Um, he says he's not posting, you know, for sale uh, ads. He doesn't have a separate collection from, his own personal collection, he sold them to, um, you know, some of his friends who needed them for hunting. Um, and in Pennsylvania, you can do a, a private party transfer on a long gun without a background check. He hasn't violated any laws as far as that's concerned, unless uh, he is a dealer. And the ATF doesn't really, like the definition of what a dealer is, is somewhat subjective. Um, and so um, it, it It's kind of up to them to say, well, we think you're selling too many guns in too short of a period of time or whatever, you know, other um, totality of evidence that they've gathered. So I don't know, you know, what they've gathered in their investigation. Clearly, um, he's saying that he's not routinely selling guns and he's not a dealer. This isn't his business. The ATF is, is uh, you know, contesting that and seized all his guns. So, um yeah, just an interesting story in, involving the Amish and guns. Which, you know, I, I don't know. I guess there's some reality TV show like that, but I don't really see Amish and guns in too many stories. So I thought it was interesting to share with you guys.
0: Yeah, it's just a. It's an example of you hit you hit on the on the head with the with your statement about definitions being subjective there's a lot of things with respect to the ATF that is frankly so subjective um and this is a constant concern uh we're 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 dealing that already with with that already with respect to the ATF uh wanting to go after pistol braces uh probably will have some coverage on that in our next legislative news updates but um you look at how things are defined and look at how things have changed over the years. I mean, including stuff like uh, bump stocks, all of a sudden, you know, something that didn't meet the definition of a machine gun suddenly did meet the de- definition of a machine gun here. In this case, you got a dude selling his own private guns and for whatever reason, ATF decides, no, you're selling too many or whatever. So you need to be a, de- a dealer. Um, this is a good thing to discuss, though. That it, it's it's worth noting that if you are in a position where you tend to sell a lot of your own personal guns, uh, be aware of this this type of thing. Okay, uh, as far as you know, just know if you're selling, it's one thing if you're selling. I don't know, five or 10 guns a year or something like that. But if you're selling 20, 30, 50 guns a year, you might end up on the ATF's radar.
1: So just yeah. just a thought. And, and, and it kind of underscores why definitions are important. Why, you know, when you enter into conversations with people or you're going di- to discuss gun laws or gun control that why saying semi-automatic versus automatic is very it's important to draw that line and to define those things because if we don't define the law or if we don't define terms it's very easy for um, people to kind of gaslight you into thinking they're talking about one thing and say well you know what i mean like uh you know semi-automatic guns and this and that it it's it. It is very important that we define terms because the definition of something can cause you to be a felon versus a law-abiding citizen just by an interpretation of a def- definition.
0: Absolutely. And our final story. This is kind of an interesting one. I, I came across this on Instagram initially because uh, uh, that's where I follow this fine gentleman. Uh, And so one day, I I think it was actually when I was on my way to the airport or flying to this class I just had in Alabama, and I remember coming across on Instagram a post from Bob Vogel or Robert Vogel, the uh, multi-time national and world champion shooter, also law enforcement officer. He used to be a full-time officer, but has been in a reserve capacity for a number of years now. And now he spends his time uh, doing uh, firearms training courses. Uh, I've, I've spoken to a number of people who have taken courses from him that uh, have enjoyed his courses. So here he was traveling to a course, I think, in California, where he was going to teach for a couple of days. He lives in Ohio and was flying out of Ohio, um, but due to some weather uh, and a variety of flight cancellations his flight was his his original flight was canceled and he was rebooked on another flight which instead of i believe routing him directly to california or through a different uh, uh, routing airport instead he got sent through uh, john f kennedy in new york city so and it's interesting you read his story in his account and he basically says well i didn't think much of it because i'm just connecting there so you know, I fly from Columbus. I I declare and check my guns there, no big deal. Fly to JFK, hop off that plane, get on my connecting flight, fly to California. Big whoop. Except that's not what happened. <laughs> he was at JFK Airport, uh, was waiting for his connecting flight to California, and after he and everyone else boarded the plane. To California. He heard his name announced over the intercom. Two TSA agents told him he needed to leave the plane with them. The TSA agents told him that firearms were found in his luggage. No kidding. Uh, So, again, keep in mind, he declared and checked in his firearms in Ohio. Yeah. Okay. So he gets pulled off the plane taken to an interview where he's questioned about why he's got firearms and he's in New York, uh, it says here, according to Bob's post, the TSA agents told him he would be arrested and charged money for violating New York law and TSA regulations. Fortunately, that did not happen. Uh, and he said here in his post, even that, uh, it was fortunate. He was still carrying his reserve police officer credentials. Uh, And and it said that um, they made it sound like they were letting him get by, you know, squeak by uh, with this whole issue. So um, it's a pretty, pretty crazy story. And it's not the first time I've heard of similar things happening. And even Bob references in his, in his post about how he'd heard about problems in New York, people flying through New York and, and the like, and, you know, never really thought it thought much of it until obviously this happened to him for real, uh, firsthand. So this is something I've talked about before. Um, uh, Jacob and I have talked about, we've, we've understood for some time. Um, I just give you an example years ago when Jacob and I went to six hour Academy, and then we were trying to fly out of Manchester, New Hampshire, uh, which by the way, when we flew to, to New Hampshire, we, we connected through um, Newark, New Jersey. And that wasn't a a concern. You know, we flew into Newark from Denver, grabbed our connecting flight, which is a relatively short hop from there to Manchester, New Hampshire. Went to New Hampshire, went to the SIG Academy, took our, our training courses. We're supposed to fly out. I think it was a Sunday afternoon out of New Hampshire. And that plane had a... Uh, maintenance issue with one of its engines so uh, that got it got delayed and got delayed some more and then eventually canceled and the initial fix from the airline was well we're going to stick you in a taxi cab and drive you down to boston to fly home out of boston since manchester's relatively limited in terms of number of flights coming and going out of there on a daily basis well we had to tell the flight attendant, person at the counter, or whatever, we're like, no, that's unfortunately probably not the smartest plan because we have guns that are not legal in Massachusetts and especially in Boston. And we didn't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. So, which was, I think, wise because we would have had to have declared our firearms in Boston, opened up the case. It would have been very obvious that we had AR-15s and by their definition, large capacity magazines, and probably could have resulted in some some difficulty for us in Massachusetts, as far as I understand it. Um, the point here being that it's very easy when traveling by air to um, to have things come up and to get sucked into a proposed solution that you know you think at the time is no big deal, but you really need to think about the airports that you are flying through and connecting in. Uh, and the jurors, you know, and here's the other thing. What if, what if, so I propose this just for food for thought, consider these things. What if you're flying to a particular airport where, where you're flying to is perfectly legal for you to fly into and possess a certain firearm or magazine or whatever. But your flight gets re, uh, redirected to a different airport. So, for instance, let's say I was flying direct to Mass or to uh, New Hampshire, and because of a mechanical issue, uh, an airport issue, whatever, for whatever reason, the plane has to divert to New York. Suddenly, you find yourself in New York, not. By your own will or choice, but by a consequence of the circumstances that occurred to you, how are you going to handle that? Ponder that question. And I know that I think the way I'd handle it as best as I can would be to certainly not try to get back on another flight in New York, but would be get out of there as quick as I can, get a rental car and get the heck out of Dodge. Because I've heard of too many stories and problems for people that get stuck or land or connected through New York and find themselves in some some deep deep water with respect to their firearm possession so yeah. um, anyway just I, about-
1: yeah i I mean and and I like you I've heard different stories and in instances of this thing happening and people actually getting arrested and who knows if he would have been arrested had he not been uh, had his police credentials or been a a reserve officer at the very least well i think that there's some sort of um, uh, legal problem with charging somebody with uh, possessing a firearm when they don't have any possible way to possess the firearm and it's in a checked bag that was never in their possession from the time that they left the point where they had legal, you know, had uh, a, a legal uh, right to to possess that, and don't plan on possessing that luggage until they get to another destination that is allowed. You know, they're allowed legally to possess it. But um, that aside, even if they didn't arrest or charge uh, anybody for this, TSA is going to uh, fine you. I I mean, you, you, you disable a smoke detector or, you know, talk back to an airline attendant and not put your mask on or something and you're going to get fined or taken off the plane and, you know, and so, um, it's almost like an extra, like, Hey, you know, we're going to threaten you with, with, uh, a, a criminal charge that's bogus at best, um, but we're going to let you go and just charge you, you know, $400 for a TSA violation and you're getting off easy. Trust me, you know, and it's like, it's almost like an extortion thing. Um, And I I don't like it. I don't understand what the purpose, you know, I don't understand what the purpose of doing that is. Um, It doesn't make anyone safer, Um, you know, had they arrested him or put him in prison or given him the electric chair, whatever, like it didn't make a single person safer. And so, um, I, I just, I don't understand the logic or how, it, well, it doesn't matter if I like, understand it or not, just another reason to be very cautious when you fly, uh, with firearms and are going in that general region. Yeah. Yep.
0: I agree. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our industry news stories today and brings us to our product reviews. Each of us have selected a product to review. Um, I've got one here. Matthew's got one, and I'm
1: going to ask that Matthew shares his first. Right on. All right. So I know we're uh, we're running close to the end. So I'm going to make this brief. But um, you guys know I've been wearing the Ready Up Gear Roger Twenty Two uh, electronic hearing protection with the uh, soft seals, which I will never wear a pair of hearing protection. Um, purposefully without these is a total game changer makes it softer seals better everything you need a pair of these uh for any hearing protection but muff style hearing protection Um, but these uh these don't have bluetooth and so um what i do typically is uh you can plug in like a um uh, audio cable, and uh, you know, if I'm cutting the grass or or, or something, um, I'll run an audio cable into my phone, and I'll listen to podcasts or music while I'm doing that. I get hearing protection, and I can listen uh, to what I want to listen to. Um, th- when we were at shot show, uh, I was uh, I picked up a pair of the Howard Light Impact Sports, uh, which in all you know, they look and operate very similar to the Roger, Roger 22s um, in, in, you know, profile and everything like that. But these actually have Bluetooth. And I'll tell you the reason why I brought it up uh, today is because uh, a while back uh, a couple of days ago, we got all that snow out here and I was outside um, shoveling the snow and listening, jamming out to some, uh, some worship music. And it made things go uh, a lot easier for me while I was freezing and, uh, and doing that. And so, um, you know, I probably don't see a huge, th- there are, there's obvious um, uses for Bluetooth on on the range, of course. Um, probably not for me. I probably wouldn't use the Bluetooth on the range, um, but for those tasks, around the house and, and things like that, where I need hearing protection, but still want to listen to, to music or, or whatever. Um, you might want to consider picking up a, a pair of, uh, of, you know, hearing protection that allows you to do that, um, makes it a little bit easier, but, and, uh, if you notice on Facebook or you're watching or YouTube got the, uh, constitution there and some american flag uh, imagery on on the side there so pretty cool uh just thought it was interest n- nothing earth shattering right but uh i came in handy the other day and um yeah cool awesome uh my
0: review today is on something a little bit different uh this is a not a gun related product but one i think may be of interest to some of our viewers and listeners. What this is is the most compact comprehensive lockpick set I've ever seen. Uh, This is the Covert Instruments Covert Companion lockpick set uh, together with the uh, Turning Tool Expansion Pack which is super awesome because in this very compact package that is no bigger than a than a bic lighter you know cigarette or whatever lighter you know um you get a ton of tools the uh the turning tool expansion pack was important to me because i wanted to you know if hey if i was going to have some lock picks with me then i sure as heck want to be able to have with me the the turning tools necessary that that, that you know these are your tension bars if you will to uh, apply tension to a lock when you are attempting to pick them. And along with that, so that's, that's part of that, that expansion pack. But then I've got all of these various picks, everything from ward picks to rakes, uh, 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 jigglers, all kinds of, you know, cool little tools here, including your standard uh, short hooks and medium hooks and, you know, kind of your classic lock picking tools. You got some comb tools there. I mean, there is a ton of stuff packed into this little package. So I've been quite impressed with it. Uh, picked picked this up and uh, have picked a number of locks with it, mostly for practice. Uh, so why is this? Uh, some people are like, well, that's weird. You know, why? <laughs> Are we uh, trying to you know commit crimes and rob people and break into places we shouldn't be and that kind of stuff And I would say no that's not we're, not what I'm talking about at all um, but uh, number one, I think the uh, skill I think is a is a kind of a fun skill because it takes a lot of patience and time to learn um, and I think it's something that can come in, come in handy in a pinch. Um, heck I lost a key to a lock years ago that you know to prevent me from being able to get into something that was locked that belonged to me and I wish I had the skill that I have now and I'm still you know learning and developing but I'm I'm becoming fairly proficient um but I wish I could have just picked that thing instead of having to bust that lock lock off mm-hmm. and uh you know cause a bunch of damage and stuff and so uh yeah, so the covert companion or covert instruments covert companion lockpick set with turning tool expansion back. Highly recommend. Not inexpensive, but if you, but the, the from what I could tell, the tools themselves are quality. And if you were to buy a quality lockpick set with all these different tools included in you know in the in a standard format, uh, you would spend. A lot of you know it'd be a, f- a couple hundred dollars probably. Mm-hmm. Uh this all together with expansion pack was uh about a hundred and twenty-five dollars, hundred and thirty dollars, somewhere around there. And I think it's worth every penny. So check it out. Uh the uh th- this this product and this website, covertinstruments.com, I believe is associated with lockpicking lawyer. He's a very popular YouTube channel out there. Um, all about picking locks and showing lock weaknesses and stuff. And I I know some people think that the work he does is controversial, but really what I think he does is a great service to the community because uh, you number one lock makers should be called out when they make crap locks. And he, first of all, identifies that lets you know what products to avoid. And that is useful information. And then hopefully, uh, lock manufacturers get better at making better quality products as well in the process. And so, uh, yeah, there you go. Check it out. Covert and, uh, very happy. I'm going to continue practicing my skills and getting better at being able to uh, make use of them. Right now. So that brings us to the conclusion of another fantastic episode of the Concealed Carry Podcast. Uh, today, though, before we let you go, we do need to announce our weekly podcast giveaway winner. Uh, we do this each week by, well, the way you want to participate is by going to concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize and, and just fill out the, the sign up uh, information there on that, on that page. And that'll get you entered each week. You need to do that. Afresh. You got to repeat that each week if you want to make sure you're included in the giveaway and share it with your friends and family for extra entries and to have a better chance of winning and being our lucky winner next week. In fact, next week, we're going to give a lucky winner a barrel block of your choice. So uh, the barrel block products along with the accompanying mag blocks for the 9 millimeter, 380, 357 Sig, 40, 45, um, your choice of any of those options, those caliber options of barrel block. So sign up at, again, concealed carry.com forward slash podcast prize. Today's or this week's winner for a two-a defender t-shirt. Who is that, Matthew Marister?
1: Jonathan M, you've won a two-a defender t-shirt. Congratulations. Awesome.
0: Congratulations, Jonathan Jonathan M. Uh, you have already been emailed and contacted uh to uh get back to us i'm I'm guessing he's going to need to give us his shirt size and we'll get him one of these t-shirts sent out to him right away yes so that brings us truly to the end of this episode any final parting words matthew
1: hey guys thanks for listening if you guys can do us a favor and uh leave us a a review and wherever you listen to the podcast um even if you've left one a long time ago um let us know what you guys think of the podcast. Um, all that helps us uh, rank with, you know, all the all algorithms that they do to rank podcasts and stuff. And it gives us feedback if you want to, if there's a specific topic or specific uh, thing that you want to bring to our attention that you like or you don't like, um, then you can email us uh, directly. Um, but if you can go out there and leave a leave a, a review, we we'd really appreciate it. There you have it. So
0: with that, we bid you adieu until later. And next time, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care.